0: Sit boo boo, sit boo boo, sit. Girl, I'm a dough. That's go. some bad hat hair. Girl. It's a cool little dough. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful one. Brummie along. No, we're valid. Clarp. No, we're valid. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing sex education season two. Damask Leary, we're back to our normal format. It's just the two of us again. No no. Paul Mitzi to muck things up anymore.
1: Finally alone. (laughs) I've been waiting for this. I
0: want to say three's a crowd. Is that the... To yep. His company, through his crowd, particularly yeah. when it's Paul. Fuck oh, him. He's worth four or five at least. Like, <laughs> we're joking, Paul. <laughs> Please come back <laughs> one day. Um, what have you been up to? What's exciting? What's happening?
1: Um, yeah, just you know, been teaching, just moulding the minds of future generations, just classic stuff like that. But today, as I was telling you earlier, today is my dedicated Minecraft day because I've been working. I've been too busy to you know, spend my usual 18 hours a week on Minecraft. So, um, today is that day. Obviously, I'm I'm very kind and I've I've scheduled you in for a couple of <laughs> hours, um, but then I'll be right back to it. Can I say my city really coming along?
0: You need to start that Twitch channel already. I want to be able to like, you know, have you on the background while you're building.
1: Yeah. Just, maybe- you
0: know, be in chat, send you questions, <laughs> have you talk nonsense. It'd be great.
1: Maybe when I've got a bit more time on my hands, maybe yeah. like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I've I, Definitely interested in the idea. It's just, you know, you got to do shit to do shit. And sure. I not be bothered. <laughs> true, true. Not How to are you, do- Rod?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I got to ask you. Are you as excited as I am about The Matrix Resurrections?
1: I wasn't at all. Yeah. Like, I have no interest in The Matrix. Like, I really enjoyed the first one. And then I remember as a teenager watching the other ones in the movies being like, I don't understand what's happening, but I just assumed it was because I was stupid and not because the films were terrible. <laughs> um, Later, as an adult, I found out that they were genuinely terrible. Um, So, eh, no, debatable. the answer wasn't. Answer- okay, sure. Um, the- <laughs> um, But then I saw everyone was talking about the trailer. I was like, oh, I'll watch the trailer. I really liked the
0: trailer. Yeah, it's really good.
1: I had like, I finished watching it. I was like. That looks fucking sick. I was like, yeah, I mean, in- I'm into this. Okay, there
0: there is just something about the like the potential for the Matrix to be great as a film series. Yeah, and while I know two and three are real, really disappointing for a lot of people, and to this day, like my opinion on them is is constantly changing. I think in there flux. are things. Yeah, there. Are, I think there are things that are really notable and admirable about them. I also mm. think they fail on a bunch of different levels as well. But I love that first one so much. And this, Mm. I don't know, as soon as they announced it was actually happening, because there'd been rumours forever there was going to be Matrix stuff, Lana Wachowski was going to be writing and directing, then it actually happened, then we saw set photos, and then it was going to be coming out this December, we weren't getting trailers, I'm like, is it actually coming out this year? Mm. But now it is. I'm I'm fucking pumped. Most anticipated film of the year by a mile, and like... Why The Last Man starts next week? It's all coming up broad at the moment. Stuff stuff is happening. Stuff I've wanted for a long time. So, that's exciting.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> that, that's what you need in, you know, your lockdowns. That's what, what right you now. deserve.
0: Last um, year, my t- my my football side was doing well. That's not happening this year. So, at least I can d- depend- rely on the movies to keep me going.
1: That's it. I also have to apologize to the listeners. If you hear, like, grumbling in the background, Pearl is in, my dog is in the room with me. Because <laughs> Angela isn't here. So, if you hear a little grumble, she's very upset that I'm ignoring her.
0: Speaking of guests, we were hoping to have Matt Palmer on this episode as well. He was keen to review season two with us after reviewing season one. Fortunately, we couldn't make that work scheduling wise. However, he's making every effort to, and we'll make every effort to get him on for season three review in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, though, let's get to our spoiler free review of Sex Education Season Two. Let me clue you in. Season in review. It's a new term at Mordale High and new opportunities to make a buck giving sex advice to teenagers. But can Otis keep his clinic going with Maeve Expelled and a new sex educator moving onto his turf? Season 2 of Sex Education introduces new faces Sami Bali, Chinenye Ezwaydu and George Robinson and consists of eight episodes each coming in at around 52 minutes and took us approximately 7 hours to watch. Season 3 is set to premiere on Netflix on September 17th, 2021, which is less than a week away at the time of recording this review. Your apologies to if I there were terrible pronunciations of the actors' names so I went through there. Before we give our thoughts on Season 2, though, Damask, can you please remind the audience what we thought or what you thought of Season 1 of Sex Education?
1: I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I just... I knew that I would because I think everyone who had told me that they liked it generally have a, a similar taste in television. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the frank discussion and honest discussions that were raised around sex and sexuality and all the parts of us that go into making us who we are as uh, sexual beings. Yeah, I thought it was just like a really lovely addition to the teen sex romp genre um, Mm -hmm. that made a lot more sense um, for this time period and now what we know about, you know, all the implications of what a s- sexual relationship um, might have on someone. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And it also was like for all of that, you know, really serious stuff, it was just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I loved all the characters. The performances were great. It looks beautiful. Like you just want to buy a cottage in the country, in that <laughs> town and just live there. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it.
0: Me as well. Uh, I gave it a four out of five, I believe, at the time and had a great time with it. Really fun. Love the characters. I think the thing that most impresses me, I guess, and I, we both said this or we all said this at the time, including Matt, that we sort of wish a show like this existed when we were younger. Because mm. it does feel very informative for teenagers, potentially, who are coming up in, some would argue, a more sexualized world than ever, thanks to access to this sort of stuff. Mm. things that maybe were kept from us and kept us innocent once upon a time are not so much the case anymore, although that might have just been naivete as well. Um, But it's almost like the anti, in a sense, like an anti-John Hughes film uh, Mm. in the sense that While those can be very informative in some ways and have a lot of energy to them, they have some really terrible sexual politics that I'm glad something like sex education is better at maybe dealing with in an adult and informative way. Uh, And at the same time, most importantly, being really, really entertaining. So I loved season one. With all that in mind, Damask, would you like to give us your... Spoiler-free review of Sex Education Season 2. Sure.
1: All right. So, I don't think I have too much to add in terms of a spoiler-free review. I think I said a lot that is still applicable in my Season 1 review. So, if you want, listen to that. Um, if you want a long monologue about what I think about this show and what I like about this show. Though, if you're listening to season our review of Season 2, I'm assuming that you've listened to the Season 1. In Season 2, we often move away from the relationship of Maeve and Otis that was so much the focus of Season 1. And while I still love Maeve and Otis, um, both as individuals and as friends, I was happy to spend time with all the fascinating and endlessly entertaining folks of Moordale secondary. This season, for all of its romantic love storylines, it really hooks me in with its platonic relationships There is a lot of focus on the friends in our lives that push us to be better people and who hold us up when we're falling apart. You know, Otis and Eric are still very much a beautiful demonstration of this, but we also get to see Jean make a friend and I loved every second of that. Ola makes connections that make her character so much more compelling than who she is with Otis, in my opinion. Maeve and her soulmate Amy continue to show what a perfect friendship looks like. Even Jackson makes a new friend, and while the story around that is a little cliché or a lot cliché, the two have such a lovely and heartwarming chemistry. I enjoy watching that friendship blossom.
0: Do you think they avoid making it feel too cliché just in the way that they do it? I think um, a lesser show or movie or story in general might ham-fist that a little bit more. Right? Yes. I thought it felt a little bit more natural. Well, I think they do that
1: in a lot of their storytelling, I think there's a lot of things that happen in this show that are in writing quite cliche, but agreed. then the way that they approach it makes it feel fresh. And like, even though you're like, I've seen this story before, I'm still having a really good time watching how they're approaching it. 100% um, agree. But for all you folks out there that are worried um, that theres there won't be as much awkward sex stuff or lots of love declarations. Don't worry. There's still plenty of that stuff in season two. Um, But I just really want to reiterate what really moved me this time around was how much these people care about one another beyond the romantic or sexual. It was just really nice to see. And I think season two honours all the great work done in season one and I enjoyed it just as much.
0: Very nice. I feel very similarly. I think a lot of what I said and we said in general, during our Season 1 review is very applicable. And in a sense, the easiest thing to say is that if you enjoyed Season 1, I recommend watching Season 2. There's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. This is probably a step up in some ways. Um, I think the what a good Season 2 often does is moving to its second season with confidence it's not trying to recreate the the magic of the first season it takes what was great about it and sort of springboards off that and just goes in like within the opening couple of minutes even of this season I'm just sort of like boy this show has such a fun confident energy to it Mm -hmm. and it's infectious as, as soon as you start watching it I agree with you that the expanding cast is great there are episodes where Otis, in particular, who was so much the focus of season one, is still very much the central character of season two. Really, his story is the B or the C plot for an episode. He gets moved to the sidelines a little bit. Not that he's gone, but there is room made for other characters, new characters, new ideas, Mm. new relationships, new all sorts of different things in the show. And that's, I think, a really good sign as well of the uh, strength of the ensemble cast and of the writing and just... They know how to use the material and, and the, the the setup they have here really well. In an interesting way, actually, and I don't think this is a spoiler, to say that the first season is really set up around this pre- premise of the sex clinic that Otis and Maeve are running, mm. and while that's not entirely gone from this season- At one point, I was just sort of like, oh, boy, that's just really not that much of a thing in this show anymore. It's not really the focus anymore of this show because the show found a way to still have its, like, stuff of the week, sex Mm -hmm. stuff of the week, if you want, but not necessarily have to run it through the Otis Clinic Sort of formula anymore. Um, and I think in a lot of ways the show is just good. It, actually, one of the things I really enjoyed about this season was even examining the ethical implications of what they were doing in season mm. one. And in some ways, looking back at things that happened in season one and going, okay, these need to be assessed with a little bit more um, scrutiny as to how healthy or normal is that? How much should we celebrate or want to invest in this person and what based on what they've done in the past, for instance? Not trying to be as vague as to who that might involve. And I really appreciate the show. I think in general, I think the show is just, as these kids are maturing into adults, the show is maturing as well. And it is, I think, a testament to the show that as much as I'm invested in what the kids are doing, I am invested in what Jean's doing. I'm really invested in her relationships, both with Jacob, who we met last season, and other characters that she's starting to spend time with in this season. And I think that says a lot. Mm. Um And you were saying that this is going over cliches in storylines, particularly in, like, teen dramas and stuff Mm. like that. And I definitely agree with you on that. It's probably more on the relationships this season than it was last season in some degree. There was a bit more of, like, the leaning into the awkwardness of sex as a teenager. That's not gone, but it does start to feel like, oh, this could have been a storyline on Dawson's Creek or something like that. And yet Mm. you're 100% right They're just really good at making it feel fresh and new, and getting you invested. I think I said this a little bit last time. The only weakness I can find with the show, if there is any way any anything, is that sometimes it might be just a little bit too polished. Like (laughs) the way because its cinematography is beautiful, but it's like it it leans heavily into the needle drops to to convey emotion or to give energy. It its shots are fantastic is beautiful to look at to the point though, sometimes where maybe it's missing a bit of texture or realness. Like everybody lives and like the school is beautiful and idyllic. The clothes these people wear are beautiful and idyllic. The place they live, their houses, the surrounding, everything is beautiful and idyllic. And it's like, that can make it feel a bit more like a fantasy, mm-hmm. not necessarily a criticism, just it, it does put a bit of like uh a barrier between me and the show to some degree. Very, very, it's, I'm, again, nitpicking here.
1: I think, like, for me, just while you were saying that, I was thinking, like, because when we were teens, you know, the big show was The O.C. Mm -hmm. and that had such, like, an aspirational thing around, like, wealth and, like, possessions and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe to make this show a little bit more palatable for teens, it's like they all look really good. <laughs> like their oh, fashion true, is beautiful true. and it looks lovely and it looks aspirational in a way of like, that looks like a quite a nice life perhaps. I don't know, but yeah. Yes, like you were saying, it's a very small critique that you're making.
0: For all these teenagers' angst and uncertainty, they are also extremely confident. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like... Everybody is willing to speak their mind. Everybody is willing to express themselves constantly. And the last episode in particular, there are some very confident teenagers at this school based on how they perform their version of Romeo and Juliet. And all, you know, props to them. I'm just not sure how based in reality that is. But that's a different story. Uh, one of the things I have heard about this show at different times, though, people who maybe have bounced off it is they found it a little bit basic. It's probably because the storylines can feel very familiar. You know, there's a lot of will they, won't they's, or it's a lo- I think there's like three love triangles I can think of in this season alone. And sure, that that is trite or or cliche, but what, because of the texture of the show around it, particularly the way it talks about sex, I also think as much as it is can be basic or familiar. It's kind of revolutionary and Mm. not in a, at least in terms of the sort of discussions that you might have around sex and sexual identity and gender identity and all sorts of things in this show. Um, I I really, really, really admire the show for it in a a great way. It's so easy to recommend this to Mm. kids and adults alike. Um, And we
1: as adults in our 30s, yes, we've seen this many, many times before. And I'm sure even like teens in a lot of the media they're watching have watched it before, um, though probably less than we have. So I think there really are new aspects to this these kind of like love triangles and stories like that that has an emotional intelligence around it that I think is Mm. really valuable and makes it, um, yeah, something that is important and I'm glad that it exists.
0: I think that might be a it two. It's not always that, like... Sometimes I feel like in teen dramas, the love triangle is like the world is ending, right? Mm-hmm. Joey chooses Pacey over Dawson, and we get that good amazing... On you, we right get, good on Joey. Right decision.
1: Good choice. Good
0: choice. But we get that amazing image of Dawson crying. There's now become a joke because it's such <laughs> a, like, over-emotional moment, right? Oh, right oh, don't- and
1: she leaves and travels around the world with Pacey in their yeah. boat. Oh, spoilers for Dawson's Creek, but... You uh, watch it.
0: for what, a twenty year old show yes, yeah. well, was Creek. <laughs> um, and like but that is a meme, that image now of Dawson crying mm. And I think there's a reason for that because there is something particularly like it's almost cartoonish in, in ho- how over the top it is. Even though that might be true to how you feel inside, mm-hmm. I don't think it's necess- it's like it's so dramatized. And that's where this show, I think, can be a little bit smarter is that it doesn't necessarily feel like it's the end of the world. It feels like a really important like friendship moment for these people. But it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, their world is shattered at all times. Yeah, anyway. Which
1: I think is good because I remember like, you know. We've been in our own love triangles, you and I, brought, um, <laughs> with each other. Now back that's in a the different day, podcast, in the, yeah. In the, in the teen dates. and I, yeah, you do feel like the world is ending, but I also think that's perpetuated by yeah. like what I was watching, like what I was absor- the messages I was absorbing. Absolutely. And obviously, if I would sat down and spoke to my parents, and they had said the same things that this show. Would, would have been telling me, I would have been like, you don't know what love is, mum, even though you've been married for 30 years. Uh, you, But, like, watching it in a show, I maybe, like, might have had a bit more reasoning or more of a rational um, yeah, reaction to mm. you rejecting me so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been drunk crying in a park, being like, why don't you love me? <laughs>
0: having flashbacks here. We could write our own team drama. We know this. <laughs> uh, how would you score this season out of five stars, Damask? Um, I think it's... Yeah, I enjoyed it just as much as the
1: first. I think, yeah, they go hand in hand. So I'm giving it a four as well.
0: I agree. I'm giving it four out of five, which is the same score I gave season one. Uh, I think I actually... Slightly prefer this season. It's probably just a confidence thing, as I said. I think the show knows what it is. It's full of confidence, and it's just really good at executing on what it's trying to do. Um, Marginally better than season one, but I really like them both.
1: Ready to pop the question. It's that time again where we beg and plead at your feet for you all to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The show really does benefit when you leave five stars and a comment saying how much you enjoy what we do. It helps others find us, so share the love.
0: And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. That is a teen show full Mm. of love triangles Mm -hmm. and this Mm -hmm. sort of relationship stuff that I would love to re-examine, especially in a post-sex education world.
1: Yes, absolutely. All right, we would also appreciate it if you shared Hunting Seasons with everyone in your life that watches way too much TV, which is the entire population, let's be (laughs) honest. So tell them to
0: check us out. Every client I talk to at work, I'm like, what have you been doing? I'm like, I've run out of things to watch on Netflix. Like, yeah, I know the feeling. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1. If you would like to contribute to our discussion of Kevin Can Fuck Himself, or if you have any thoughts on sex education, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Sex Education Season 2.
1: You're now entering the Spoiler Zone.
0: Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Sex Education. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Sex Education up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. What do you want to talk about first, Mask? Mask?
1: Um, well, I want to talk about Jean and just one thing, we can talk about all, everything that happens with her, but just one thing in particular. Sure. Um, so with Jean and Jakob, I, I really enjoyed what they're doing or like, I get what they were doing with that Mm storyline and I do like where it goes for Jean's character. However, um. The way they show that relationship and its breakdown didn't quite match up with what they were saying was happening for me in terms of when they have that big fight about the pan cupboard. Sure. <laughs> um and we, and earlier in the season we see Jakob in Gene's house and how he is I don't think Gene is wrong. <laughs> in that situation. like he does not listen to her or respect her boundaries. Like she's I think she's allowed to have them and I understand that she feels like put upon and he's always there. But it doesn't look irrational to me because he is taking over her house in a pretty new relationship. she she tells him repeatedly that she has clients coming to her house. And that he has to be quiet. It's like all these little things. I'm like, I think they're valid concerns.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you at all, actually. I I think I can see the argument of like, you know, he's doing these things as a way of showing his affection. Mm. Like when he is trying to fix something, that's his way of like caring for her. That's his love language is to like do those things, I guess, for Mm. her. Um, But yeah, he is obstensively moving into her house mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I understand that she's going to have to make some concessions if she's going to have this guy around all the time, but I don't think it's that much to ask that he asks fucking permission or waits until she doesn't have clientele in the house <laughs> to do something noisy. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, just, this like, is a workplace.
1: everywhere and not clean up after himself. And that and, like, too.
0: And again, I can get the idea that, like, he's comfortable or this mm. is his, you know, but if she's like... I like things a certain way. Right now, this is still my house. We do mm-hmm. not coexist. You do not pay rent. You do not like, I yeah. live here with my son. You have your house with your daughter.
1: Yeah. You can't Please. use all the hot water and then not apologize. And be like, I'm so sorry I've used all the hot water. Totally I agree. didn't realize.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I 100% agree with that. I think so too. And Because yeah.
1: I, 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 I do like the story of like, Jean does have to make more room. Yes, the love in her life because it is something that she's discovering that she does want now that there is a person that um, fits her needs and her wants. That's that I love that story. It was just how they got there. I was like, yeah. Oh, I think you're making him too annoying. I was like, and that was bothering me because I thought that's what the story was going to be was that Jean figures out that he's not the right one. I was like, oh, mm. but I really like them together. But they're making mm-hmm. him so annoying that I'm like. Kick him out, like he's he's terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean they can both be flawed, and I suppose in some mm-hmm. sense they both are. But it's it's hard to uh, maybe maybe the argument is more that Jean's reaction is an overreaction, at least in the way that we see it. Mm. Yeah, but on some level, like if if shut the fuck up, man, while I've got clients in the building is my is my <laughs> workplace. Yes. You can't be too. It's hard to say that she's in the wrong in that yeah. scenario. <laughs> like, fair enough. Yeah. See,
1: I'd like it almost more if it was, you know, things seemed really great and perfect other than, like, the conflict with Otis. And then Remy comes in and, you know, she's still independent Jean and, like, if she wants to kiss someone, she wants to kiss someone. And so, she kisses Remy and that is the conflict. Like, oh, I had something really good, um, but I sabotaged it. Um, and there uh, are some I, on sacrifices. On some level, I think that
0: is what the show is trying to do as well. Yeah. Is like because that argument ultimately leads to her saying, I kissed Remy. Yeah. And the implication there is that part of that emotion that she has towards Jacob about the pan shelf or whatever yeah. is that she secretly is upset with herself mm. because of what that happening and that was like the conflict there. But Yeah.
1: And it is her like kind of not being direct with Jacob and not like as As me as a viewer, I'm seeing all these things and I'm being like, why isn't Jean saying something? Because this guy's clearly like irking her. And she doesn't do that and instead does something that she knows will sabotage the relationship.
0: Um, The other thing you don't necessarily see, because I feel like, does she, yeah, was there any implication or anything said to her earlier, to him earlier about that stuff? I think there was at least one conversation about his coins. I can't remember. Because maybe that's what's missing, right? Is her suppose if she hasn't communicated and then she blows up all of a sudden and he's under, unsure why, mm. then there's, it's, I guess you can argue that he doesn't know better. Although she did say, please don't do this while I've got clients. <laughs> <laughs> but on another level, if, if she had said something to him earlier, it would have given him an opportunity to try and, you know, he's trying to change his habits too. He's mm. used to living alone as well. And yeah. when he's alone, he does create a mess. And so if we get to see him making an effort but he still stuffs up occasionally in little ways and she blows up about that and then that's unreasonable, then you understand yeah. where the self-sabotage is on, on Jean's part and you have a little bit more uh, sympathy for Jakob in that situation, I guess. And that's kind of what was missing, I think. There was just maybe like a couple little steps that were missed. Mm. But overall, yeah. I agree. It's like while that can be a little bit... wasn't executed the best. I, I felt it enough, I guess, mm. between those two because I really like Jakob as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think he's great. And like, oh, that scene when... um. Gillian Anderson, like, he finally says, he's like, I don't think you're ready Mm. and definitely says we're over and she walks out and just, like, touches her heart and, like, she's such a fucking amazing actress. Like, I just started crying immediately. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it really affected me. She's she's a gem. That
0: exact shot, I just looked to Steph and went, she's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's real, Andrew she's real good Andrew and
1: I did the exact same thing We both like, with tears in our eyes Looked at each other and were like Oh, she's such a good actress
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's exactly what the reaction was uh, Well, while we're talking about Jean then Was there anything else about her storylines this season? You said in particular you enjoyed Friendship. her making friends um, What's Friendship. Ms Groves' name? I think first it's Maureen name? I believe Maureen, it's Maureen it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Oh, And that actress who plays Maureen is... Mm fantastic as well so obviously at the very beginning we see maureen coming in and very tentatively and nervously wanting advice about her relationship this poor repressed woman who's like been forced to be repressed because her husband is um yeah and that scene about the lipstick was just like so heartbreaking and seeing jean's softer side was really lovely because obviously with the kids the very beginning, she's not doing well at all. She's, you know, these these are children who are very confused. And to speak aloud your theories um, to them about sexual dysfunction, probably not a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Maureen comes in, she kind of recognizes this woman's vulnerability, and um, is very kind to her and very soft with her and gently prodding to kind of get more information. Which then leads us to one Maureen telling the principal, Principal Gruff, that she wants a divorce. Amazing. Which got an applause out of me. I was like, "Fuck Absolute yeah!" Fist He's, pump over how that dare one, yeah. he tell you that fruit's too expensive? What a cunt! Um, I was like, "Good for you." That was great. And then one of my favorite parts of this season is when Jean and Maureen go out for some drinks and some dancing and it's so much fun to watch. Agreed. I loved it. Yeah.
0: No, me too. And like, you know, Gillian Anderson's a snack, so it's always just nice to see mm. her, you know, making yeah. some moves on the dance floor. Yeah.
1: I'm like, where's that club? How do I get there? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally great. It's wonderful. And it's, uh, I suppose that's one of the things it's like her relationship, Jean's relationship with Otis has always been one of like this super analytical, I guess, Mum, who doesn't know really how to have this conversation with her son, her best intentions being what they are, that transfers to how she works with kids a lot of the time, and then, but it's good to see that while that she does have skills in one area and talking mm. to Maureen and then being able to have a friendship herself and sort of, yeah, find someone else to connect with was wonderful. I like that as well. Yeah.
1: It's always nice when, like obviously we see softness with Jean through her relationship with Yakov, But I think it's really, I love when we can see softness with some with a character through friendship. Yeah. Like it just feels so special to kind of see those moments. Um, yeah, I really appreciated it.
0: Well, that might be a good chance to talk about Jackson and Viv maybe in terms of plutonic yeah. friendships. Um, Jackson was sort of a surprise character for me last season in that so often, maybe in a John Hughes film or something like that, the jock oh, – on actually, you know, I take that back. That's not true. Breakfast Club does a good job of, like, you know, everybody's got their own shit going on. So that's yeah. maybe a little reductive. But of making what could have easily been a cliché jock character um, and just making them the bad guy because they're the other guy in that mm-hmm. love triangle and giving him his own story and giving him his own stuff. And then to expand that this season with the ongoing problem of him trying to communicate – to his mother's that he is not interested in swimming. He does not like doing it, doesn't want to keep mm. doing it. And then to form a friendship with Viv um, was wonderful, I thought. I can see you had a criticism of that a little bit in your um, review, I think.
1: Uh, I mean, not a criticism because I I said that the, the setup in writing is quite cliche, though sure, I appreciate yeah. the execution. Um, you know, it's just that whole thing of, the jock being like, "Oh, I, I need to get better grades," and the nerdy girl being like, "Okay, but you need to teach me how to get a boyfriend." Type thing, which mm-hmm. I've like we've seen before, um, but their friendship was so lovely, great, <laughs> and they have such great like chemistry together. Those two actors, um, I was just like, "Yes, best friends," uh, and I, oh, it was it was beautiful moment. Obviously, when Jackson kind of hits. Reaches his limit mm-hmm. um, with the expectations put on him and, you know, after having such a nice reprieve with his broken hand, which is such a such a sad, sad moment um, when that happens, really kind of horrifying that he's at that stage. But, yeah, when they're at the party and he's having a panic, panic attack. Because I actually forgot about the panic attacks. So I was like, oh, that's right. Um, yeah, and she comes in and she just like, Holds him and lets him talk, and and I love that she's such a good friend that she was willing to sacrifice the friendship to make sure that he was safe. So was really, the first big. thing
0: I was, was going to say about the while like about the panic attack is that I think it's so well articulated what he's feeling. Mm. It's like all of a sudden I got that break, and now my hand is healed, and it's mm. all coming back so quickly. And it's just like it's just all that pressure is back. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the Viv telling Jackson's moms about what he's going, what's going on, um, is a really big choice. Like yeah. that is a huge, huge thing to do to expressly against their wishes. Mm-hmm. Jackson's wishes to go out and tell them. Um, I can see the pros and cons of that situation. Should she have spent more time maybe trying to convince him this is a good idea than just going that night and going and telling them? I think there's a fair argument to be made that she could have gone Mm. a little bit further before she pulled the trigger on that, though he is obviously suffering in a big way.
1: Yeah. But at the same point,
0: it is the right thing to do ultimately, though I'd argue maybe the way it was done wasn't the best.
1: Yeah, I think the only criticism of that choice for me would be, and I think this is more a time issue, um, Mm. is that, because she hasn't spent a lot of time in that home, mm-hmm. she probably does not understand the dynamics and whether or not that is actually a safe space. Exactly. Um, whether they would be open to, you know, getting him the mental health um, stuff that he needs. Um, she Like, she didn't know that that no. was, that they would be open to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving beyond that kind of plot hole, I... I think it was the right choice i think she was scared for her friend who hurt himself quite badly
0: that was that was the big thing that makes yeah. it easier to to understand is that when he is willing to hurt himself mm. and she does i mean she does in that that cold robotic statistical way but like the idea that you're nine times more likely to commit mm. suicide if you're hurting yourself as well or whatever it, whatever the stat was um yeah hard not to be compelled by that sort of mm. statistic i guess
1: yeah, she uh, she's going by the facts, you know, and that and that's what and that's how Eve she operates. Does. And that's you know, it's nice to kind of see that she has room to grow as well. Like she mm-hmm. acknowledges that that's not what she wants her whole life to be. She does want connections with others, and not not a boyfriend, but yeah, friends would be <laughs> would be lovely. And she through her friendship with Jackson realizes the value in them. Yeah, it's nice.
0: <laughs> Did you like the conversation between Jackson and his parents, particularly the bit where he says, "You guys just need a divorce already"? When they're on the way to, I think they're on the way to the psychologist, and the mm, the, the, the flat tie happens. Yeah, because yeah. um, that was like one of, the, another one of the situations where you're like, I don't think he's wrong.
1: He's not wrong. <laughs> like, no. Uh, and I and that they, might be hard
0: to hear, but you yeah. guys are really, really struggling, and he knows it. Like,
1: yeah, but, like they needed to hear it. Like yeah. it's such a toxic home environment. They don't speak to one another. They all—all mm. all we ever see them do is argue. Like that's all it is, and it's always about the same fucking thing. It would drive yeah. you nuts to be in that environment. Um, and I think it's valid that he snapped. Like they're on the way to help their son, who is really struggling. And they're fighting about a fucking flat tire. Like, mm. uh, just their perspective is so far off that I think, I think it'd be devastating if in your marriage your child said to you, "You need to get a divorce," because then you'd be like, "Oh, that is a devastating thing to hear." Because how I feel inside, I'm not expressing it subtly. I'm actively like making my child's life worse. I think it was it needed to be done.
0: It it, it's also interesting in like comparison to Remy and what happened with him and Otis and Gene, where there's a lot of bad things that were happening there, obviously, Mm -hmm. and it was probably it was definitely the right thing that Gene and Remy split up. Mm -hmm. But Otis asked the question of like, Well, why the fuck did you leave me though? It's like you didn't have to fly to America. You could have Mm -hmm. still lived in the vicinity and been my dad, but instead you went and made another family somewhere else and left me behind. And like, that's a difference too for every argument that Jackson's parents shouldn't be together anymore they can still be his parents <laughs> mm, yeah. um but that's not what it feels like when like they in a in a big sense they're trying to stay together for Jackson's sake that has its toxic side the, yeah. vi- uh, the other side of it is Remy leaves and abandoned his child without a father figure although you couldn't do much worse than Remy as a father figure anyways he probably in the long term is going to be better off without Remy around Otis but anyway yeah absolutely
1: I also think it's it's probably really that conversation that Jackson has with the mum from Ted Ted Lasso. Hannah
0: Waddington Waddingham Waddington's character, yes. Um, A shame none.
1: Yeah, th- yeah. That way she can be in that relationship by choice and not because mm. she feels like she has to in order to. Um, keep that connection with Jackson. So now if they do move forward, it's because she wants to be there and not kind of perhaps out of some kind of resentment that she isn't the bio mom or whatever.
0: Let's come back to Otis then, since theoretically he's the main character, though not necessarily the most interesting storyline, depending on mm-hmm. where your allegiances lie. Yeah. What did you make of Otis this season? There's a bit going on. We start off with him. I do love the like the complete overcompensation switcheroo from last season where he could barely touch himself to where he can't stop touching yeah. himself in season 1 like that opening montage <gasps> is very funny.
1: It yes. I, at first I was like, "Oh no." And then it it just got so absurd and just hilarious. I was like, "This is great." The only this thing is I can't a great out,
0: opener. From a pra- practical point of view, especially when he's having to go in the car, it's like, "What the yeah. f- Where the fuck were you planning to put that?" Like I just do not understand for a second what you were thinking was going to happen. Even if you got away with it, how are you going to hide the evidence?
1: It's it's true. I just loved like the Pomeranian in that scene, like the whole (laughs) thing, which is like anything is, is setting him off. First it was like hard nipples. And then he's like making eye contact with the Pomeranian. It was just, it was very funny. And I, it, it, Gave me so much energy in those first moments. Agreed. Like, Yay, this show is back. And I'm watching it and I'm loving it. Yep. I'm excited to see where everything goes, including apparently his jizz. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, so Otis this season, I really liked it because mm-hmm. it wasn't the most fascinating part of this season for me. But I think, you know, season one, Otis is this really – Nice, lovely guy. Mm. Um, and it's one of those classic things of a nice, lovely guy with no ex- no experience suddenly is getting attention from um, people that he's attracted to. Oh my uh-huh. goodness, that's really overwhelming. and he makes some really bad choices, though trying to do it from a good place but making really bad choices. But refusing to switch his perspective from like I'm just a really good nice guy to, oh I have made mistakes. Um, It's not. But he goes, it's not my fault. It's it's the girl's fault. It's both of you. You you guys actually kind of suck. I'm the nice guy. Fuck you. And I was like, I've seen that before. Yeah. (laughs) Both on TV and in my real life. Uh, Yeah. I I I thought it was a progression that made a lot of sense. Um, it was done really well and, yeah, I thought it was a good step to take for Otis.
0: Particularly because they are directly addressing it because there are actually television shows where the main guy, the nice guy, let's call it Ted Mosby syndrome, mm. ends up being a complete fucking twat and they're yeah. such an asshole and have no um, perspective on their self
1: mm-hmm.
0: that they don't know it. They just consistently think they're the, they're the, in the right, and everybody else is shit. Yeah. They and feel
1: bad, so therefore they are automatically the victim. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And those those are times when shows main characters you either have to start ignoring them because they're the worst part of the show, mm. um, or you, you just actively bounce off it. I think. And what this does, is, I think, as you said, the progression into this asshole version of O's that we get, and he rightly gets called an asshole by both. Maeve and uh, Ola in the party episode, mm. and he earns that status one hundred percent. Suits, but it's but it's instantly an examination of that, which is really good, and it's that's the entire storyline for Otis this season, and particularly, you know, it's always sins of the father, but the reflection back on Remy and what was what was Ola's uh, explanation? You're such a nice guy that you try so hard to be nice that you end up being an arsehole or something like that, or you're so. You' so keen to not be your father that mm-hmm. you end up sort of being a completely becoming him. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good observation, and I really loved. I love how pathetic Remy is. As mm-hmm. to, it's a little bit cartoonish, and my least favorite episode of the season, to get ahead of me a little bit, might be the camping episode because. Remy is so obviously shit straight away. There's yeah. n- there's no, you cannot pretend for a second that he is not a complete fucking clown. But I do like that they made this misogynist, uh, self-involved twat a clown as well. I'm glad he's the mm. joke because it should be. When he yeah. says, when the guy comes over to get a signature after he's told Otis, never read this fucking book. And I think he says something like man up or something like as his tagline. I'm like, fuck, I hate you, Remy, but I know the yeah. show wants me to, so that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, Remy is absolutely a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, that conversation that conversation between Otis and Remy is wonderful. It's mm-hmm. just about being honest. Like, yeah, if you're being a nice guy to be a nice guy, but ultimately you're not being honest, people are going to get hurt and people will leave. Um and if those people are important to you, that is something that will is devastating and not really something you can come back from in a lot of ways. So yeah, I loved that conversation. I was like and I, it, it's also really helpful that this guy is a therapist cuz he's clearly like a narcissist and all this other stuff, but mm. there is an a, awareness in him like he, you know, he's done all the reading. <laughs> so yeah. he's aware, but he just he is who he is and while he's very disappointed in himself and who he who he is,
0: he, yeah, he, he can anymore. articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh It just occurred to me, I don't know why, that both Maeve and Otis have parents returned to their life this season Mm. that they have complicated histories with. Um, I would like to come back to the Otis, the Maeve and the Ola stuff in a second. But how did you find the Maeve storyline with her mum returning the complicated history there where Maeve obviously has no trust in her mum, has Mm. felt abandoned by her, has made herself completely inaccessible because she can't be vulnerable to let her back in and then to be let down again and to make a very hard choice but ultimately, again, probably the right choice Mm -hmm. at the end of this season. How do you feel?
1: Um, Stressed out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And the mum comes back um, and Maeve is, yeah, not trusting in any way. I was like, yep, good choice. That that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Though it's heartbreaking to see that she can't allow herself for very good reasons, you know, like that. I think that's what makes it m- more tragic is that she has valid reasons to be a very closed-off person. Yeah. Particularly with her mum. But then the entire time I was so stressed, I'm like, I don't... I was like, I really hope she doesn't fall. Like, it'd be a really nice treat if she doesn't fall down again. Yeah. Um, but, of course, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. And she does. And, yeah, like I said, Maeve has to make a really hard choice. I would say absolutely the right one, um, which we see earlier in the episode when her little sister is not being watched by anyone or Maeve's having to watch her and there's a knife and her mum's out having a cigarette, though probably out actually getting high. Oh, it, it was very sad. It was, and I felt for Maeve, but I'm glad we got to spend so much time with her by herself or in a, at least a different dynamic than just her and Otis. Yes, um, that was really good. I'd be interested to see now that she's made this decision, how she feels about it moving forward. Because like she obviously knows it's the right thing to do, but the emotional ramifications of that, um, I think will be pretty intense.
0: Is it Isaac the guy that moves in across the? I think the so. Way? Yeah. How do you feel about that introduction of that character, the inclusion of that character, um, and ultimately his? role in Maeve's storyline this season?
1: Introduction. I hated him. I was mm-hmm. like, what a dick. He's a fucking dick. Um, and then when we get kind of around to the point where they go to the party together, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually quite a nice friendship. Obviously, there are um, romantic undertones. I was like, but I don't mind that. I think he's a really cute guy. I think they actually have great chemistry. And if he turns out to be... You know, a, a good guy and I support for Maeve. I'm, I'm fully into that actually. Um, you know, it's like, like he said, pretty much Otis, but with a history that um really matches, matches Maeve's. Maeve's yeah. Um, though, when he says that Otis will never understand what it means to be abandoned, we know that isn't true. Otis mm-hmm. absolutely has experienced that, though in in a different way. Um, yeah, and I, I the way that they leave it though, I was like, oh. Does he have to be, like, a bad guy? Like, mm. does he have to be that much of a f- fucking loser? Uh, <laughs> that was really disappointing. I didn't want that. But Is
0: there any that's... argument that he, uh, I think, pardon me, I think it's hard to argue this, <laughs> but I'm being devil's advocate a little bit here, that that choice knowing Otis mm. and knowing what, like, the one time he spent time around this guy, the way he treated Maeve, yeah That there is an element that maybe is protecting her.
1: Yeah, I think that that is. I I, think it's it's a
0: hard argument still because I think it's very easy to argue he's just being selfish and like Mm. it's a toxic thing where where her not ever receiving the message means she can't make any decisions for herself. He
1: removes her agency exactly. You know the the giant red flag is if anyone ever goes through your phone. Yes, Like that exactly. is such controlling behaviour. That's a huge red flag. 100%. If anyone out there is in a relationship with someone that does that, uh, run. That's mm-hmm. a very bad sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can I can understand how he could justify it to himself. Um, but me as a viewer, I'm like, well, you've just, you've, you've burned it for me. I'll never be on your side. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think you, you'll ever be good enough for Maeve now. Like you've, you've made your bed. Yeah,
0: Is it something you could see Otis have doing?
1: Yes. I do think you... the Otis we've known this season, yes. Where he ends up, no.
0: So, should we afford Isaac the opportunity to grow as well?
1: Yes. Hmm. I, w- I will do that. If season oh, three agree. does I... something cool yeah. with him, which is very likely because this show does that, then mm-hmm. sure, I'm happy to go on that journey. But right where I am now... At the yeah. end of season two, I'm like, fuck you, Isaac. I hate I agree. you.
0: I yeah. agree. Um, going back to Otis and Maeve a little bit then, I want to get to Ola as well. Mm-hmm. You were talking about like how she can't be vulnerable. One of the most heartbreaking moments for me in this entire season, and not everyone's super invested in, in Maeve and Otis, and I think that's I understand why, but mm-hmm. when she has her birthday and he brings the gift of the mm-hmm. diary Oh, by the way, emotionally cheating on Ola at this stage, but that's we'll talk about that in a second. Mm. But brings the diary with all the five-year diary with her birthdays ripped out. Mm. There is the performance from that act, the actress plays Maeve, the genuine love and affection yeah. she has for O's in that moment is palpable just mm-hmm. in her eyes. Mm. And then when she goes to say something and can't because of that inability to be vulnerable is fucking heartbreaking. I felt that. I really did in that moment. I thought that was a great little moment.
1: I really like the character of Maeve. I do too. I I think think like This is another example of like a cliche character, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But the way it's written and performed is it's heart-wrenching. Like Mm. I really just want to go to that town and be like, don't worry, you can like move in with me and I'll (laughs) I'll look after you while you finish high school. Like Mm. I just feel so much affection for her and I just want her life to be a little easier, um, which is why I enjoy that her English teacher that helps. Miss <laughs> Sand. So yeah.
0: Miss Sand, who I do not get whatsoever. I don't get that. She should be surrounded by boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever she wants. When
1: we first it see no her having sense. sex with that guy, I, I turned to Andrew, I was like, that is fucking bullshit. There <laughs> yeah. is no fucking way this- sexy sexy english teacher yeah. who is she's so fucking gorgeous yeah and such a lovely person is wasting her time <laughs> She could just go down to the pub and there'd be 15 men who'd be like, oh my God, can I please buy you a drink? I'm in love with you. Yeah, absolutely absurd. Does not make any sense to me.
0: This is a very small town that must be surrounded by an apocalyptic wasteland where (laughs) other men cannot get to her. The only explanation that she can end up in this situation with that fucking loser. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Side note on that. Mm. I may have just remembered this wrong or misread at the time. I thought they sort of coded him as gay in the first season. And obviously, he doesn't have to be as simple as that. I had a, a memory of him saying something or I don't know what it was, but I was oh, surprised I when that. he ended up with Miss Sand. And maybe it was just because it did not calculate it all in my head when <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> but anyway. Mm, uh, um, yeah, th- though I did, I agree. The part where Maeve – well, you know, actually something I really liked about that first episode, how Maeve got herself back into the high school, which inevitably had to happen, mm. was I think we said last time – you know, it would be great if Ms. Sand was a part of that because yeah. you feel like she could be. But I also like they – it wasn't just Ms. Sand rocked up and said, hey, guess what? I'm going to make sure you come back to school. Maeve had to force the the situation as well. So it was very yeah. much – her own agency as well. It's like, yes. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, it was uh, her plan, yes. and
1: she just had a bit of backup at Absolutely. the end there. Yeah,
0: yeah. which I, I thought was great for the character mm-hmm. as well. Uh, something that didn't do a lot for me, though, was the Quiz Heads part- parts. That is kind of a storyline that basically could have fallen out the back of the season. I, I wouldn't have missed it. It didn't add anything to me. The faux drama around winning each part by, like, a point, this idea of the teamwork thing. I don't think it ever really worked on any particular level. Um, No,
1: I think it's just a nice, like, bit of connective tissue between Maeve and Viv. Um, Yes. Yeah, which introduces Viv, and then we get, like, the Jackson stuff. And then in the um, Breakfast Club episode, it makes more sense that, yeah, Maeve and Viv have some history.
0: Absolutely. I think it is more just as, like, a... Yes, a way to, to have these people exist in the same universe and, and introduce some new characters. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Otis and Ola as a couple, how the relationship goes? Um, well, I
1: never thought they had any chemistry whatsoever. Yeah. At all. I was like, I just don't believe that this cool chick would be that enamoured by Otis enough to, like, want to fuck him. <laughs> I see, like, friend, like total friendship vibes. That makes sense to me. Sure. Um. But in terms of like a sexual relationship, I was like, I even mean, a romantic one, I was like, I don't think she'd be that compelled <laughs> by Otis. Um But he's a he's a nice guy, and she's in you know this new place. I guess that does make a little bit of sense in terms of teenagers, and that's kind of like you know you want a boyfriend. This guy's nice, and why not? Um, I I never had that much affection for. Until Otis was such a piece of shit to her. Mm. He was so cruel to her. Um, And also in the relationship. At the party specifically? At the party, but also like that was the real cruelty. But I also hated how disrespectful he was towards her dad.
0: Yeah, I I get that you
1: have an issue with this guy dating your mom. Mm. But that's your girlfriend's dad and yes. she's in the room when yeah. you are having this tantrum.
0: It was actually one of the only times I thought they sort of failed to dramatise her part in, that yeah. part in that whole thing properly. She mm-hmm. kind of just stands there in those scenes and we never really even get, like, the camera focus on her to see what she feels about this mm. because she might – be angry at both of them. She might yeah. understand both of them. She might be more angry at Jacob. She might be more angry at Otis... I have no idea. She didn't really seem to express much of an opinion about no. it or have anything it. It really about, was, which was like she weird. was
1: a random bystander and not yes. like a part of that family and that dynamic that was unfolding.
0: Absolutely. Um, which is a little strange, I thought. Also, my estimations of Ola's intelligence went way down the moment that she suggested they play Monopoly to defeat yes. the situation. What the I fuck you I was like, no,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> you idiot. If there's tension in the family, still stay well away from board games, particularly that particularly one. Particularly
0: Monopoly. Someone that hasn't one watched is The Sopranos. just
1: destroying families across the world still to this day. I don't know why anyone buys it. Um,
0: I gr- 100% agree. Invest yeah. in uh, Settlers so of Catan, everybody. Boring. What
1: a boring game to play. It's terrible. Oh, um, but I, another thing about Ola is I didn't like the competitiveness between her and Maeve. I found that really boring.
0: Yes. So that was something I agreed with. I, I saw that, and they're doing the whole like you know, the bitch that wants my boyfriend thing. Mm. The only thing that that saved it at all, because as soon as they introduced it, I'm like, got to be careful with this sort of storyline because it's so cliche. It's been handled so poorly so yeah. many times. Um, Was, I think we... Did get a good sense of their insecurity that they both had. It was really yeah. about their own insecurities more than more than it was about the other person. Yes. And so, because we got to see that, I got to understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a storyline that's been perpetuated and a, and and a angle of like girls being competitive over boys so often mm-hmm. that I was like the, the mere presence of it made me like get my my hands up a little bit. Just like, yeah. why are we doing this? Um, yeah. But it wasn't the main... It wasn't such a focus that it was no, too big a wasn't. problem.
1: I just wish it, like, they could have come together much sooner. Because whenever it was a thing, I was like, no, nah, I don't care about that. Stop it. Um, but, I mean, it meant that we saw Ola develop a friendship with Lily. Brilliant, by the really way. I really enjoyed. I loved that They recognised
0: that Lily was a highlight last season. They said, yeah. let's make her a core cast Lily. member. More <laughs> Lily. Very smart.
1: Yeah. They heard the people's cries. They did. And they, yeah, they answered, which was great. I really enjoyed that friendship. And Like, I was just having fun watching them as friends. Mm-hmm. And then when, obviously, Lily gives her the photo of her, like, slaughtering Maeve. <laughs> um, and then there was that hug and I was like, whoa, what the fuck are you guys doing? What, I was like, <laughs> oh, they're, okay, that's that's something that that's happening and then Ola's very quick um, realisation that she was pansexual. Yeah. Um, that she did indeed like Lily and that she was so confident in that she would go over and give her a kiss. Which at first I was like, this is happening really fast. But then I was like, well, why not? Like, why can't it just be that easy? If we're Especially living as in teenagers. This, yeah, if we're living in this world mm-hmm. where so much is happening and they're all like having sex and... Um, mm-hmm. Everyone is having sex and everyone is everyone, doing all this stuff all
0: the time, yeah. everywhere. Yes.
1: Then, um, <laughs> why why couldn't it be easy for Ola, someone who is very confident? Um, clearly uh, she wouldn't be worried about her her dad's reaction to you know her sexuality. She d- doesn't have s- these societal pressures for whatever mm. reason. She doesn't feel them. Um, cool. All right. Let Let's do this. And then obviously it was. Devastating when Lily practically pushes her out the door and then shuts it. I was like Because at first I was like, oh, that was easy, and then bam, I was like, oh no. <laughs> that was that was very sad.
0: So it sounds like your affections for Ola changed pretty quickly once she was able to sort of move away from Otis, which as you said, they never really had any chemistry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it never really felt right anyway. Yeah. And because the thing with Otis
1: was so focused around like his friendship with Maeve and that competitiveness, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't want Ola to be the girlfriend who is clearly not the one for him." Yeah. So she's gonna be the other. Reminds me of um on the OC. I can't remember. I think the character's name was Anna, and it was like the character of Seth always in love with Summer, but then they introduced this nerdy girl that's like more in line with what his Seth's interests. Like, sure. But you know that like she's going to be around for like one season and they're going to be like, all right, you've served your purpose, fuck off. Like I just really didn't want that to happen. Like I've seen that so many times before. Um, So I was worried about that, but I'm glad it quickly shifted when she realized that he was being a dick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she reflected and was like, (laughs) when he says, I love you, she laughs, which is not great. Um, And it's like, no, I don't think we are that kind of, Yeah, that kind of couple. I think this is probably the end of the road for us. Um, And she just runs over to Lily. I was like, oh, good. Okay. So she's going to have her own stuff to do for the rest of the season. I really appreciate that.
0: And it was great that we could find. That's why it impressed me this season. They just found so much room for new characters to just naturally make their way into the story. and. Mm. It never felt forced. No one ever felt like they were the one exception. The one storyline I think that did feel a little bit crowbarred in. And I'm glad it exists in there, and I know there are listeners of this show who'd be very happy this existed. But um, Florence's character, who had her like one thing about being, she found out she was asexual. Thought uh, great yeah. perspective to have on the show. Yeah, um, felt a little bit crowbarred in because they couldn't find a natural way to include her in the rest of the show, which is, almost every other character seems better. Mm. But I do wonder
1: like what happened with, and I agree with that criticism. Absolutely. I do wonder that, you know, we had characters in season one that had like an issue that perhaps next season, then we'll see a bit more of Florence and explore that a little bit more. I would hope so. We don't know, but that's certainly a possibility, but I agree. I would have liked if we're going to, because she is like, she pops up. But then we don't actually know anything about Florence. That's beyond what I mean. She sort of pops asexual. up to have
0: that moment mm. with Jean. And again, I'm like, I think it needs to be that asexuality should be included in this as much as bisexuality, pansexuality, homosexuality, you know, cis, whatever. All of it should be in there. Mm. It's funny that that one doesn't quite feel as well implemented or, in, or integrated into the story as the others. The only other time we really see Florence is in the last episode. And even then it's just cuz she has to be cuz she's juliet she's juliet yeah, yeah. um but uh going back to ola the other side of the ola stuff mm. um Oh, sorry. No. Before I say that, the the opposite of that again was you were saying about characters who came back from last season. they mm. in the episode where <laughs> Otis is terrible at fingering, and <laughs>
1: was hilarious, he yeah.
0: uh, reaches out to the. I don't remember the character's name. She's the redhead, the lesbian, and she, the lesbian one of the of the, the the lesbian couple that Otis did stuff with last season. Mm. She's literally there for that scene. Yeah. I was like, they don't reintroduce her. They no. don't remind you who she is. She just she's exists. never in the season again. She's <laughs> yeah. just here to give Otis a fingering tutorial and then leave.
1: Yeah. Which I, like, okay, I love. Sure. Like, the way this kind of show dots characters like that throughout, it, it's kind of got like a porny vibe to me. Like, I love a world where people can just exist and we don't need to see them all the time, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that scene was... Disturbing, though. When I was watching Otis violate that orange, (laughs) you know, I've seen, like, you know, guys watch, you know, a video on, like, or, like, a film or something where someone gets, like, kicked in the nuts and they go, oh, like, that was my visceral reaction to it. I was like, oh. (laughs) He was, like, giving her a pap smear. Like, it was, like, that force (laughs) that goes in and then separates it. It was Horrifying to see. <laughs> um, yeah, that was. It was very funny though. Yes, I love Lily just coming up and being like, "Sort it out, mate. You bad yeah. at fingering."
0: That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So the friend, the friend is you. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, go back to Oliver for a second. The other minor storyline she has she is working at the same place as Adam. Hmm. Which that storyline just ends with a lovely scene of her saying that she loves him and that he's her friend. Mm. Which I love, at least on a surface level. Yeah. The big question I have for you is, uh, this season is very much a redemption of the character of Adam Forrest. It's trying mm. to take the guy who was an awful bully yeah, and treated Eric like shit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely abused him for years. As Otis rightly pointed out, this guy has been fucking with you forever. Why would you let yourself, you know, spend time with him, let alone form a relationship with him? And the whole season is trying to redeem him enough that we can allow that to occur and to be okay with that as an audience. How did you feel the show went with the redemption of Adam And his storyline with himself Mm. um, and also with Eric.
1: Yeah, well, I think Adam, I I think we've just started to redeem Adam. I think this season was just kind of being like, this is who Adam is. These are the Mm -hmm. reasons why he is this way. And this is um, the ways in which that affects him. Um, the same kind of repression that he has learned from his dad. Mm-hmm. And that's very sad. He doesn't have a whole lot to do this season other than obviously visit Eric in the middle of the night and they spend some time together. What is hard for me, and I think it's similar, you know, the first thing we spoke about today, you know, the the execution of um, the relationship between Jean and Jakob, mm. I think – So, the execution of, um, apparently, Eric doesn't sparkle when he's with Raheem. Yeah. And he should find someone that makes him sparkle. Yes. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I, agree. I think we see them have so much fun together and they are different but mm-hmm. Raheem is so re- like respectful and loving of Eric's differences and encouraging yep. of anything that he might be interested in even if he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Eric seems to be having a lot of fun with Raheem. I think he does sparkle and I like he's always smiling looking at Raheem and laughing. And then, you know, the final episode I think it is you know, Adam acknowledges that the forest looks like penises, and Eric starts laughing. That is the only time I'm pretty sure that we've seen Eric laugh with Adam. Like yeah. Adam is not a funny guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, 100% Adam is agree. the least
1: funny person in the world. He's, from what I can tell, incredibly boring.
0: Well, it's um, like the the criticisms you might lay at Raheem's feet are that are things like. He is going to have maybe a slightly strained relationship at most, based on what we saw with Eric, because of his religion, mm. or like things like that. They they have different perspectives on life, which yeah. let's uh, like they're going to be challenges if you're going to form yeah. a long term relationship and get to know you know have each other's families in their life and mm. stuff like that. But let's
1: remember, these guys are in high school. Like, this yeah, is not- exactly. They're not going to be getting married and having babies. You know, statistically speaking, that's probably not what's going to be happening. Totally. Um,
0: yeah. Anyway, and I just don't think for a second that uh, Adam saying he likes Frozen is really a big enough statement compared to him, Raheem saying, I didn't like musicals. Yeah. Like, Adam liked the most <laughs> commercial <laughs> musical children's Disney musical of yeah. all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is not really an endorsement of Adam, I don't think. No, I don't I, think, I he's think he's going to be better at fucking going to church with Eric no. than Raheem is. No, no fucking way.
1: And I think like the fact that Raheem doesn't like musicals, but he is willing <laughs> to enthusiastically exactly wants to see yeah. Eric perform yeah. is so much more an act of love mm-hmm. than simply being like, "Oh, you like this stuff, these references that I don't understand." But I like Frozen. I was like, you guys have nothing in- You have less in common with Adam than you do, Raheem. Yeah. Yeah. I think the execute- I see what they're doing, but the execution of it is just like, no, no, I don't think that makes sense. But who knows where season three will take us.
0: I I, I agree fundamentally. It's like, I can see why on some level, Eric might find the stuff with Adam exciting. Mm. Especially, and unfortunately, I do think it is a toxic- Excitement, though, yes. that comes from the way that their relationship, sexual relationship, started, mm-hmm. which went from being one of being of Adam being the aggressor and being a bully to all of a sudden it being sexual and then disappearing, right at the time where you are suddenly starting to feel yourself and have some confidence in who you are. Mm. That's going to be confusing. It's gonna there's going to be a lot of emotions tied up in that. So I can see why he, Eric has a um. There's something going on there that is enticing yeah. or and like there's a mysteriousness I, and, a, and a and a naughtiness to it I guess of the yeah. going in and out in the night and and mm. smashing stuff with Adam but I I don't really think the show makes compelling argument that mm. that is can in yeah. any way be a better choice than Raheem.
1: I also think like there's so much tied in I think not necessarily in the show but just generally like you know as a as a gay teen the, val- the validity you feel um, when someone who either is or represents um, the people who tell you that you are worthless and so yeah. if you get them to love you, therefore you are lovable and that mm. is so unhealthy to want to pursue those types of people. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I know a lot of people who have been there. Um, you see it a lot in gay culture, this kind of fetishizing and um, – putting on a pedestal of usually, like, gender norms and that kind of presentation because those people who usually, like, are the stereotypically beautiful girl or beautiful man, they represent all those people in high school who thought you were weird Mm. or gross or whatever and if you can get them as a sexual partner and love interest, therefore you fit and you are wonderful. And I just, like... Wholeheartedly want people to move away from that. It takes a lot of time to like heal those wounds and to see Eric fall into a relationship like that, particularly with someone who is violent, is really concerning to me, and I don't really love
0: watching it. Do I believe that Eric can be a good influence mm. or a good, good for Adam? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that Adam is good for Eric? I think he's exactly the opposite direction that that Eric should be heading right now, and Raheem was definitely the right one, and that's the problem there. Uh, I feel like that's really only Eric's storyline this season, really, though, apart from the first episode where he's sort of the Maeve in the clinic situation, that doesn't last. Mm. It boils down to that. It's very much about him choosing between Raheem and Adam, Mm -hmm. Um, and I do kind of wish there was some other element to talk about. There, But there really wasn't with Eric this season, I don't think.
1: I mean, I I certainly want to acknowledge that the way things are left with Eric Raheem um, tells me there's probably going to be a lot in season three regarding that. Because what happened with what Eric did in front of everyone with Adam at the play, at the musical, to do that to Raheem is fucking yeah. a terrible thing to do. Agreed. Um. So And the way that Raheem is obviously very affected by it and is very hurt and he walks off, I think we will kind of see, oh, hopefully, um, I'm assuming more of an exploration of the implications of that and all of that stuff and perhaps there is hope for Eric to kind of, yeah, choose who he wants to choose and perhaps make healthier choices, whether that be Raheem or not. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that, yeah, we'll get some – some healing there
0: in the future. Just before we move on to Amy, which will probably be our last topic before we get to um, final thoughts, we <laughs> didn't mention that Otis loses virginity to Ruby. Yeah. How would you feel about that development? I-, I thought that was a great little, tw- not twist is maybe not the right word, but wrinkle. Because you don't yeah. see it coming. And it really, Otis has put so much... Uh, he has so much pressure on himself when it comes to sexuality like his sex life and mm. s- and exploring sexuality he just ha- sort of have it happen with this girl who he has no connection with if anything there's an antagonistic connection there uh, i thought it was a really interesting choice mm. and I to connect also- those two characters in a way that you mm. wouldn't have wouldn't have naturally occurred any yeah, other way
1: I, I think it's a really accurate depiction of mm-hmm. um your first time having sex as a teen like so often we put so much pressure on ourselves. It has to be really important. It has to be this huge thing that, you know, it's your your first love and that's the Mm. person you share that experience with, which is great and, you know, a lot of people do get that. But I would say, you know, the majority of us the first time that you have sex with someone is at that situation and quite often is drunk Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at a party, maybe not at a party but after a party, that type of thing. Uh, and you wake up and you're like oh i I did the thing that had so much stuff attached to it it's done now and I like that he wasn't devastated by it no. it was it just happened and then you move on and then we yeah we get this lovely sequence of events with Ruby who I really enjoy I think she's very funny um she's a terrible person but that's that's part of why I love her but while she is never not terrible there is Layer, there are lay- layers there um and i enjoyed their time together and i enjoyed her reasoning of why she has sex with nerdy guys when she's feeling bad about herself <laughs> um i know a couple of my friends out there you know used to have the same reasoning they're like well this person's going to be in love with me and i'm never going to get attached and this is the perfect situation um yeah it it made a lot of sense for them to connect and it wasn't overly sappy. It was just kind of matter of fact. And and that scene where they're sitting on the log was beautiful. It looked so
0: good. Would you be interested in seeing more of Otis and Ruby in season three?
1: I never thought I'd say this, but after watching them ride on his bike together, I was like, yeah, I I think this is nice. <laughs> this is quite nice. Yeah.
0: There's a couple of shots in the trailer that suggests that there's at least going to be oh. there's going. It's not just going to be a one and done dropped thing. Can't say it's going to cool. be the whole thing, but I yeah. was happy to see a screenshot of like, oh, okay, there's there's going to be a little bit more there.
1: That's which is, cool. I'm glad because I think you I know think. they they seems to, to be like here. A, this isn't a
0: spoiler. Cause it's all speculation.
1: Yeah, a level of mutual respect after the conversations they've had. So either yeah. if they become friends or. You know, have a sexual relationship. I really doubt that they would be boyfriend girlfriend, but if they have a sexual relationship, sure, that's based on mutual respect. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm into that.
0: I think that can happen though. I think there are uh, examples in shows. And I'm struggling to think of them off the top of my head where, where where characters you don't necessarily naturally expect to get together do, and then it mm. kind of strangely works in a way you don't expect. You go, oh, this is kind of crazy how naturally this happened or works, mm. and I and I like this. Yeah. Um, be nice to see more of that. Uh finally, I want to talk about Amy yes. in this season as well. She has a devastating storyline. The happiest, most carefree. Oh,
1: she's so beautiful.
0: You know, little a little bit of a bimbo.
1: Person.
0: Who oh. has this horrible, straight-up sexual assault. There's no fucking mm-hmm. around it, what it was, on this bus. Yeah. And then the episode of Maeve for her for Maeve's birthday convincing Amy to report it. Mm-hmm. And then the ongoing consequences throughout the rest of the season of Amy trying to deal with that trauma, yeah, um, resulting in her not not just be able to go on buses anymore, but um, not wanting to be touched by her also beautiful boyfriend <laughs> Steve. <laughs> yeah, Steve. He's wonderful as well. Mm. How do you find that storyline? How do you find the way it was handled? The particularly I would like to start with the Maeve getting her to report it to the police, which is an interesting turn of events after last season when there was the whole um uh what do you, what do you call that? Um revenge porn mm. thing happening with mm-hmm. involving which was Ruby doing that from memory, actually, wasn't it?
1: No, the other was, way around,
0: Ruby was the victim and Ruby was, was the
1: victim and what's the other girl's her name? friend, yeah. I feel like it's Layla or something like that. Some yeah. of that.
0: Uh, was the one doing it, and Yuck. then in that situation, Maeve was very much no point telling the police. In mm. this one, she's like, let's tell the police. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was an interesting turn, and I kind of appreciate that both those perspectives can exist in this yes. storyline. But- I,
1: I will say, um, for any teens listening, never force anyone
0: mm. to report a
1: sexual assault to mm. the police. While the police in this show are lovely (laughs) and wonderful, um, it's it's a really hard process. I think, you know, it does have value. And I think, you know, if you want to, absolutely. But that is a very personal thing for someone to do and you should never force anyone to report anything to the police that they are uncomfortable with. You can support them. You obviously encourage them to see like mental health practitioners and all of that stuff. But going through the legal system is really hard, um, and it's something that really has to be thought through. And yes, that's what I have to say about that. Maybe doing that.
0: Did you? Do you have any cynicism about how they showed the police? Because you said they were mm. particularly lovely. It was. It was almost like the show was trying to say, uh, almost like quell fears that it would be a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. That you are going to be supported. That those systems mm-hmm. are in place now to handle this better. Which might be true and probably isn't in all situations though. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's good to show that like it, you can have a positive experience even if mm. like because nothing did happen with it, right? So, they like never found the guy but she felt good about reporting it and that's great because she felt like she really did she did something. Mm. Um, and that's awesome and I think that's great to show. Seeing such like cheery, you know, somewhat competent police officers in terms of like giving her support I as something that encourages people to report I guess is good um, if not somewhat misleading perhaps Mm. um, to the realities of it Um, so I'm I guess it's good but also it's It's maybe not good yeah I think it's it's a complicated thing Um, but I like that the power that she's able to regain isn't through the, the legal system it's through community and being honest about how she feels about it um, and having support of those that have experienced similar things around her like that's where that's where the real story is and I think that was a good one
0: very quickly, just um, just because you're talking about the way they sort of talked about the police in that situation there, it reminded me a little bit of how they treated Adam when he was at military school, mm. which I did appreciate it was more complicated than maybe it would have been. It could have easily been a ne- net negative mm. uh, or a complete negative. Yeah, I thought and- everyone was going to
1: be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought everyone was going to be so cruel, as we've often seen. Yeah,
0: Right. And the... The nature of that and the connection Adam does have with those two other guys, and mm. then the way that sort of implodes. Uh, even though Adam didn't do anything wrong in that situation, he was you know he was thrown under the bus. But then the conversation he has with whoever that guy was, that other soldier that'd been there, you know, a general, or whatever. Mm. You know, a lot, a lot of uh, you know men here are gay. I thought Just it was best a really not to
1: speak to it. Yeah.
0: Was a really interesting point that was being made without having to go too deep on. I think it left it in a, comp- in in a position that it's and and the fact that the military school in some ways, like Adam said, he was better off there than he was living with his dad. Um. Which might not be true for everybody, but maybe in Adam it was in this case. I like that it was it was wasn't a black and white situation. It was complicated, and there were positives and negatives about it. Yes. It wasn't just, this is bad, or this is good. It's like, this is different. It's complicated in its own way, but it's not what we want Adam to be in this storyline. So we're going to take him out of it now, but know mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a complicated situation in of itself. I quite appreciate that, actually. Yeah, me too. Uh, but you were talking about the community around Amy. so Yes. Why I wanted to ask you was, was episode, I think it's episode seven, is the, the Breakfast Club episode. Mm. Was it the best or the worst episode of the season? Because sometimes I'm not sure.
1: I was, it's neither.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's Maybe neither. Maybe that's the right place.
1: Yeah. Um, it was extremely contrived, <laughs> it was, which is not a great place to start, Um. I also struggle with conversations that feel like the writers are. It's just very obvious that this is the lesson episode it, and they're going to educate us about. You're um, waiting
0: for the role play to end and then go, so what did we learn from this exercise, yeah. everybody? You know what I mean? That's 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 the sort of conversation that's happening here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, which I don't think is great. I Agreed. think it's probably great for, you know, teenagers to watch that. Um, but I, as an adult, and maybe teens feel it the same way, but I, as an adult was cringing a little bit. Yeah. Um, in that episode, I was like, I really, I know what you're doing and I, I love the idea of it.
0: You see the value but, in it.
1: Yeah, I really do, but mm. I didn't like the way they did
0: it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's where I'm at with it as well. And I didn't, that's what I was competing. Like, this is either the best or it's the worst episode of the season, in in my mind, in some mm. ways. It's like, I think on an execution level, it is fumbling a little bit because it's not as well written and not as well executed, not as natural or as yeah. believable as other sequences or other episodes might be. Mm. But I don't want to devalue it for saying what it's saying. And I... And I endorse its message of righteous female anger <laughs> yeah. and and the and yes. community of women supporting each other mm. um and uh, of feminism essentially really really endorse it mm. it was extremely contrived <laughs> yes
1: oh i have one last thing i want to discuss before we go Please. um into the next next section i um i wish that for all of the complexity we get around so many of our characters, mm-hmm. that that same complexity was afforded to the principal. He is such a villain this season. Sure. A, and does such a terrible thing, like a truly terrible, unforgivable thing mm-hmm. to, in a moment of anger, to photocopy the private notes of a therapist uh-huh. regarding sexual activity involving his students uh-huh. kids children that he is meant to be caring for they are under his care to do that is monstrous uh-huh. and even at the end when he's like standing up on stage like a you know twirling his mustache like he's lost it yeah. i was just like ah oh, i wish He wasn't so black and white bad.
0: Yes, I agree to some extent. I would give the show an opportunity to maybe have a better conversation about that later. Yeah. But I don't- Now that
1: he's like, he's hit rock bottom. Yeah. We'll probably get that season three. I'm just saying at that point, the end of season two, I was like, damn-
0: as un as what well, lacks sophistication and some of what, what the show is best at doing, at which is presenting these characters who are both most characters are understandable, if not flawed, most of the time. I also don't mind there being a bit of a villain sometimes. I mm. and, and, and he's as good a filter as you can get this like repressed, um, toxic masculinity, whatever you want it to be. Does it make him a? a Character caricature rather than a character. Sure, mm. I, I I think
1: yeah you can do both. You can have him be the villain, but you can have you can a little bit more sympathy for that character in a way.
0: It, it's you got you've got to afford time for it though to do it properly. Mm. And I I don't know where I'd like. I don't know if I want the show to be longer to incorporate that, or I don't know. And again, I'm I'm just trying to sort of like I'm sort of justifying that like while it's a shortcut and it might be a little bit lazy if it meant that we got to spend a little bit more time on Amy's storyline or a little bit more time on, like, Ola and Lily. I'm not that critical of it, but I 100% see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it certainly isn't a huge detriment to the show. Like, I'd much rather spend time with other characters. Absolutely. It's just, like, a small criticism I had. I was like, but you're probably absolutely right. In future seasons, we will get that kind of nuance that I'm after. Any last words? Final thoughts.
0: That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask?
1: Yeah, I've just got a couple. Mm -hmm. So the first one is when Jean says to Otis, you look just like your father when you lie. Mm. I withered into nothing. I was like, that is is a gut punch. Um, Because you would know all the hurt your mum has experienced when your dad lied to her and then to make her see that face again would that far out, that would really cut you pretty deeply. Um, I, I,
0: I loved how angry Jean was with him Yeah. in those last bits. What's mm-hmm. the line she says to him? I always get the worst of you. Yeah. Oh I was God. like, that hurts. And I remember being a teenager at that age. And, that's, mm. and I think it's a natural thing that teenagers tend to do as part of being rebellion um, at that age is that you, you can take treat your parents like shit sometimes and in mm. the biggest problem that um, that Jean has is that he she's his only parent and mm. so you know Remy shows up and he's all excited about it. Jean's there all the time and she cops his bullshit which O's mm. has lots of heartbreaks for her.
1: yeah uh, but yeah that that amount of sadness and disappointment from Jean was that oh mm. yep I feel that. Uh, the next side note is uh, with, and this will most likely queer women will get this. I'm not sure if anyone else will. But when um, Raheem and Eric go on their date and they are on the, the dance dance revolution thing.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so there is pretty much that exact scene in a lesbian film called Imagine Me and You. Okay. A, it's not a good film. <laughs> it's really not. Um, but as it was happening, I was like, oh, this. A gay theme of, like, you take someone that you're interested in to Dance Dance Revolution and you <laughs> dance together. I thought that was quite nice. Mm.
0: That's, I know, it. that's That's a trope now. <laughs> it uh, is, yeah. At this point. It's got to be
1: in everything. That's how you know they like each other. But, yeah, that's it for side notes from me.
0: As my pet peeve often is, I hate watching people play video games wrong. And, fucking, they were not following along to the directions on the screen whatsoever. Fucking shits me. Do it properly or don't do it at all. Uh, <laughs> my Some of my favourite lines. Is the bike in question your vagina? Um, <laughs> was a great one. And... As much as I love this character, when the show was on and he was like, I think it's Quentin, was like, I know all the lines. I'll go on and do it for Jackson. And the teacher said, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, Quentin, you piece of shit. I don't know why. (laughs) I did
1: like that. Yeah, his anger at that character, Quentin, just for the final episode was, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm really enjoying this dynamic.
0: It's funny because it would never have been like, it would never have been so direct, but I remember my uh, drama teachers in high school, uh, particularly- seven through ten were really fun and lenient and they smoked like fucking chimneys mm. and they would swear in front of us and have those sorts of relationships with us that were a little yeah. bit different than any relationship you have with a teacher in a different class yeah. I was like yeah I can believe that interaction yeah. to some degree <laughs> uh, some little observations I had along the way Ch- classic mistake Jean. there's a bit where she's talking with her clients and she's bored out of her brain Oh, something about's going on, and she looks up at the clock that she's put behind her. It's like, that is fucking 101. Put the clock on the other side of the room yeah. where you can see it. That is a rookie mistake, <laughs> that one. Uh, also, those every a lot of episodes start with um, Otis and Eric riding to school. And they're having a conversation with each other on their bikes. Mm. Like, that must be a shit ride home because that is downhill all the way, as far (laughs) as I can tell, whenever they're riding to school. Must suck to ride home. Mm. My only uh, thing I did want to ask. Oh, no. Sorry. One other thing. Uh, The first episode, there's a plague of chlamydia Mm -hmm. or there's chlamydia panic anyway. And everyone's like selling masks and wearing masks. Did not find that particularly funny anymore. Plagues aren't funny anymore.
1: No. No. Hits a little different, doesn't it? it? Just
0: hits a little different these yeah. days. Did not find that as funny as it probably would have been two years ago. Um, what happened to Eric's dad? He's just gone. Oh, it's, yeah. it's all with Eric's mum this season. His dad doesn't show up once. I'm like, it was so important emotionally to Eric yeah. last season. That's a shame. Who knows what happened? There's it's probably scheduling Scheduling whatever it is. But yeah. I was just like, damn. It just felt like it was just missing a little bit that just Eric's dad was not there. Yeah. Um, least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damascus? Um,
1: I didn't necessarily have like a least favorite where I was like, this episode shit. I agree. But, um, I'm going to go with episode four. So that's the one where, um, Ola and Otis want to do it. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was just like, I'm not invested in this relationship at all. Um, we have the text and Maeve confessing her love.
0: Sure. Um, I see. I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we also have Remy being the worst coming over. Yeah. And being a dick to Jakob, and I was just so disappointed in Jean. Um, and we also see Adam luring Eric out of the house, and it it made me really sad. It made me really really sad. Sure. When That was happening, yeah, but it's not really because it's bad, it's because things were happening that I didn't like for the characters, yeah.
0: That's kind of my argument for my least favorite episode, which is episode five camping. Oh, mm. Or the sorry, episode five, it doesn't have a title, it's the camping episode. Um, because as much as I just said not long ago that I enjoy that R- R- Remy is like pathetic, right? He is like mm. the clown, the show is. Pointing at this character and saying this guy's a fucking loser, he is such a loser that I don't understand how anyone can think for a second, especially Eric, can look at him and go, "This guy's cool and we should follow him and what he's doing." Like you're a fucking idiot, Eric. Um, there was lots of Maven Isaac stuff that episode as well, and I, I by the end of the season, I'm like, "Fuck Isaac!" So yeah. um, that's it's like it is I think what happens in that episode and it's meant to happen. Is that everyone is getting the hard choices and making the wrong choice, mm-hmm. and it's meant to. From a Drake point of view, it's exactly what's meant to happen. Mm. But similarly, I'm left going, I didn't like the things that happened in this episode, so I'm going <laughs> to say it's my least favorite. Yeah. But realistically, I had a hard time picking a particular least favorite or a particular favorite. It's it, it's funny mm. that the seasons seem to really function great as a whole. They are, can be both episodic and feel like a complete serialized story, and that's pretty impressive. What was your favorite episode?
1: Uh, my favourite is going to be episode six, which is the party episode. Good episode. Um, yeah. It's, you know, everyone is together and it's, you know, that reveal of Otis's mentality of like being a nice guy um, and obviously he does something truly terrible and then like, you know, people seeing that side of you is a great wake-up call. So, I think it was a great character moment for Otis. Um, him vomiting in a cup, yeah. I was like this was is amazing. a high school party yeah, yeah that was um that's awful. uh the sweaty grossness of that teen party, I was like, pooh, yep, this feels pretty authentic <laughs> uh we also have you know some of my favorite moments, which is Jean and Maureen having a great night out um it was so necessary for falling deeper in love with Jean, I think and uh, getting a new side to her now that she's got a friendship, talking about loneliness and perhaps making a mistake in her relationship uh, and it was just so much fun to watch these like two lonely women build a connection together I really really had so much fun watching it and I loved it
0: I think they agree with you um, that episode six is the best episode I think the the back three episodes are generally strong with seven yeah. does have that bit of clunkiness to it and we talked about with like the the breakfast club stuff but the uh, but overall yeah I, mean, I think the party was a great episode And it was um, great to get Otis to that place Mm. so that we can get him on the path to growth. And it does make him a a more compelling character going forward. We also have that
1: great scene with Jackson and And Viv Viv, as well. It
0: is fantastic, yeah. I 100% agree. And, yeah, the believability of that party, I think, was, was really well put. Uh, do you have any predictions, hopes, or concerns going into Season 3, which is only a week away? That's I real know. Soon. It's,
1: I'm pretty happy about that. Um, mm. I feel like we've kind of spoken about them already, but I'm hoping for some kind of resolution with the Remy situation, um, kind of Eric dealing with that and mm-hmm. taking responsibility for being pretty careless with someone's feelings. Uh, sorry,
0: Raheem, do you mean? Not sorry, Raheem, Raheem yep. yes. Yep.
1: Um Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping that happens. Um, yeah, I'd like a bit more from. Is his name Groff? Principal Groff? Yeah. Yep. So I'd like perhaps to get, now that he's down the dumps and his life has really fallen apart, he's on leave, um, seeing a bit more of that. Are you um, up for
0: minor spoilers, from no. what I understand? Okay, no. cool. Right.
1: Um, I want Gene and Jakob to get it on because they are. One of the sexiest couples I've ever seen. I l- I just
0: love Jacob. I really he's really so love
1: beautiful.
0: him. Yeah, he's he so beautiful. He's something so magnetic about him. It's like yeah. I get why Gene's into him. I really, are. I really Well, do when it.
1: um Remy came by mm-hmm. and I was talking to Angela, I was like, oh, wouldn't you be so happy if your <laughs> ex husband came by and this was your boyfriend? I'm like, sweetie, take your top off, show off your tats, you sexy,
0: sexy man. Like, and his little pot belly.
1: Oh, he's just gorgeous. Yeah, I'd be I'd be <laughs> chuffed if he was my my new beau.
0: Did you um, like it when he asked Remy to stay for dinner? I was like, that's yeah. a fucking power move. It
1: really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, I loved the way he kissed Jean when he left, being mm-hmm. like, "I'm not actually insecure about this, but I'm just gonna give my lady a kiss." I enjoyed mm. that. Um, what else have we got? Obviously, Maeve dealing with um what Isaac has done, as well mm-hmm. as what happened with her mum. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there.
0: I I don't. I'm not thinking too far ahead. I anything I say, unfortunately, will probably be painted by what I know from the trailers. So I won't say too much. Can I, I will put this out there though, and maybe I'm just forgetting a scene, or I was looking at my phone, or something has happened. Did it ever come out? Did Otis ever own up to stealing his mum's no he notes? Didn't. That is a very important fucking thing. I think mm-hmm. like. Groff didn't take it from Gene. He took it from Otis's locker, and Otis yeah. should not have had that in the first place. Mm-hmm. And while he may have been, but he had his proper apology with Jacob, which was great because his first one was shit, and I was like, that's not an apology, even though Jacob was being very nice to you here. The second one was legit, and I was like, that's better. And he had that moment, where he got to stick up for his mum and all those sorts of things. I was like, there's still a piece of this situation that you have not owned up to. That is extremely important yeah. and a huge violation. So that better come up at some stage yeah. as well.
1: I also think that, um, I wonder if it, Gene will ever put it together that it was Groff, since the only page that wouldn't have been printed was the one that involved him and his wife.
0: I kind of get the feeling it's just going to be forgotten, that plot point. Yeah. I get the feeling we're just moving on. Because he'd have which... to
1: lose his job if that ever came out, like permanently.
0: Yeah. Did. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'd... who knows what's going to happen. But I hope it comes up because I feel so important but I'm not going to be surprised if they just move on and pretend it didn't happen. Or not to pretend it didn't happen, but just drop it, that storyline, yeah. I think. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Cook Patrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can find also find myself, Broderick Cordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask.
1: You can find me on Twitter at MaskyMoo, M A S K Y M O O.
0: Thank you for. I had a really good time talking about Sex Education Season 2, actually. This me was a fun discussion.
1: Too. Can't wait for Season 3.
0: Yes, that's coming out very soon. That's on se- September 17th, I believe, on Netflix. So just a week away from when we're recording. Next episode, though, we'll be back to discuss Kevin Can Fuck Himself Season 1. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, everybody. And so. It's